0: everyone, welcome to Sonographers in the Cities. I'm Lynn. And I'm Giselle. And before we begin this episode, I just want to let you know that wherever you're listening to, um, please follow, subscribe, rate us, give us feedback because we always love to hear what you think about um, our podcast and we always want to improve for you.
1: Yes, you guys, don't forget to um, comment what you guys want us to talk about. Um, and we are still in Medical Ultrasound Awareness Month. Today we have a really special video because it is our first guest and we have here Molly. She's a sonographer and she's going to be here to tell you guys a little bit about ultrasound after being in the field for many years and she's also an educator. So we wanted to bring her on here to speak on behalf of her experience. Yes,
0: thank you so much, Molly, for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to do this with you guys. So Molly, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience in sonography?
2: Yeah, I've been a sonographer for about 10 years now. I am registered RDMS in abdomen, OB, and pediatrics. And then I also have my RVT. So I've been in clinic for about 10 years. I've been teaching for about five years and it's been really exciting. It's been an awesome career so far. I'm so happy I made the rash decision to get into sonography school
0: when you say rash decision so like how did you get into sonography
2: I was pregnant with my first child and of course I thought like well I can recognize things on the screen that's clearly an arm that's a face like I can do this this looks pretty easy and I also had heard the tech say something about she could get a check to go anywhere it seemed like a really in-demand field at the time as well I'm like that sounds awesome I could do it it's in need, I'm gonna go do it. So I pretty much made the decision within a month and started school. I was so excited that I act that I did it. But once I got into school, I was like, oh, this is so much more than babies. I had no idea. Now it turns out babies are like my least favorite thing to do. I love everything else but babies. Um, babies are so fun when moms and dads are engaged in the scan and it's we're having a good time and getting to show them all the cute things, but there's just so much more to it and that there's so much so much to learn and it's just a really exciting career I don't know it yeah it was just like I looked it up found a school and I was like yeah I'm gonna go do that and there I,
0: here I am <laughs> 10 years so later were you pregnant while you're in your program or is this is after having your child
2: I had a nine month old when I started uh the school or the actual program and then I had a child after yeah so I was never pro Uh, pregnant during the program
0: so how is your student experience having a nine-month-old because I noticed that I've had mothers in my program and like um, other um, mothers who are doing the same thing like they want to start their careers and how is it for you and other um, suggestions you might have for them
2: Well, I think my experience was a little unique because it was definitely coming back to school for a second time. So I'd already had the college experience. I had already gained some insight into what it means to be in college. And so for myself, it was very much, it it was easy to come back and do it. I already had a lot of that skill set built in. And even with a child at home, I had a very supportive family, which is definitely a must in ultrasound school because you're at school all day. A lot of times you're practicing at night. You got to basically work for free during your internship. So you do have to have that support outside of uh, your actual schooling part of it. You have to have outside support to make you successful as well. But it it didn't hinder anything to have children. It just made me be a little bit more creative. You know, when I went to open labs, I went after she went to bed at seven o'clock at night. I was the late night person at the labs. That worked out well for our family. I still got to see her and worked around her schedule a little bit more when when she was young. So I don't feel like I missed out on anything and it didn't really hinder anything for school either. So I wouldn't say children are a deterrent to going back to school for ultrasound at all.
0: That's amazing to hear. I hope that um, new moms can hear this and be encouraged to apply
2: to the programs that they want. Absolutely. I think um, it's a fantastic career. Sometimes the work-life balance can be a little bit tricky, especially when you've got call and all of that. But I think anybody can make it work if they want it.
0: That's great. Can you tell us more about your program in general? Like, where did you go? How long was the program?
2: And what degree did you get? So I have an associate's in diagnostic medical sonography. The program that I went to offered three concentrations. We had the echo concentration, vascular, and general. I originally was in the vascular concentration So that is what I did, but I also got to double up with the general. Really, the only thing that was different between vascular and general was the addition of the OB classes, and at the time, I really wanted to make sure that I was marketable, and so I wanted all the information that I could get, so I ended up kind of doing a dual concentration between vascular and general, and it took 18 months in school and then a six-month internship afterwards. Yeah, just just, I'm,
0: I'm like counting like, the ones Wow, too. I know, I was counting the ones. Dang, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yes, that sounds like an awesome program. Yeah. I'm thinking of your experience and uh, I'm like, it's really amazing to hear your experience because it's so different from all of us. And I'm I'm like speechless because... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what's the most challenging aspect of being... A sonography student and a sonographer now that you've been in the field for over 10 years.
2: I think as a sonography student, it is wrapping your mind around all of the information that we are just throwing at you every single day, every single week, everything every single semester. Like you are reading, writing, researching, testing, scanning. There's so much to do to learn ultrasound. And I think a lot of people kind of go in, and think, "Well, I'm just going to take a couple classes and work my way through it." And that's not how a lot of programs are set up. They are full time programs, so you have to treat it like a full time job. You are in school to be a sonographer. This job or the program could clear like easily be a four year program, but we are jamming it into eighteen months. And so you just have to be prepared to put social life on hold. Maybe be prepared to not work as much. Uh, be prepared to really put your all into the program and it's a short 18 months and when you are done the rewards are massive if you can just get through those 18 months get through your internship and get on to the career the the reward is really worth it in the end if you can just figure that 18-month part out.
1: I definitely agree with that and obviously that's what I was telling myself through my program was just get through this class just get through this day and I'm sure Lynn is feeling that too right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely I'm just like I'm getting through a quarter at a time a class at a time and then um, but keeping an end goal in mind which is
2: to get my uh, license. Exactly and you know working with students a lot of Students are concerned, like, well, how am I going to work through school? How am I going to do this? And I've always kind of presented the question to them, like, is it worth it to you to have to repeat something if you can't get through the semester while working full time or while doing whatever else you need to do? Like, can you take out an extra loan? Not that I encourage going into debt. If you don't have to, don't do it. But, um, you know, try to make school a priority. You have to for this program. It's way too intense to come at it as a casual Learner, You have to be prepared to be in your program full-time, full-hearted.
0: So I would have to ask you, because a lot of students um, ask me this and myself have considered, um, is it possible to work full-time while in a sonography program?
2: I think that goes back to your support system at home and how your program is set up too. I currently teach for a couple of programs that have either evening classes or online classes. I think that opens you up to being flexible in your learning. But if you are expected to be on campus from nine to five, Monday through Thursday or something, it's gonna be hard to work full time and find those hours to study and be proficient in your education and dedicate to working. I know people have to do it, so it is possible. But you got to look at what you can do as a person. Like, what is your personal situation? Do you have the support system to be able to do that, or are you going to jeopardize your education and just draw the whole process out longer than it needs to be?
1: What would you say, since you've been, you know, teaching students for you know a few years now, what has been like the most common struggle that you've seen with students as far as um, in your programs go?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's across the board and I think that really relates back to it's not one personality, it's not one student type that comes into sonography. I really do believe anybody can be successful in a sonography program. Everybody has their strengths and their weaknesses. Some people are really good with the hand-eye coordination. They take to scanning no problem. And some people really struggle with it and they just need that extra practice. They need that extra muscle memory to be built up. Uh some people then can't sit and take a test or sit in the class and learn all that information that we are going through. So it really varies what a person struggles in. And I think it speaks more to the person and their own weaknesses versus across the board struggles. If I had to generalize though, I would probably say understanding the commitment that ultrasound school really is. I think a lot of students are surprised their first semester about what we're actually learning, how the pace goes, how quickly it all is being thrown at them. And that is a hard obstacle to overcome if you're not prepared for it.
0: So to follow up with uh question, um, what advice can you give to current and prospective students um, so that they can be successful in their programs?
2: Before you get into a program, do your research on it. Make sure that the schedule works. Make sure that you're learning what you want to learn. I've seen a lot of posts about like, you know, I really want to do general, but all they're offering is ECHO. Like if you don't want to do ECHO or if you don't want to do general, don't. <laughs> don't don't go into school just to start earning a paycheck. Do it because you want to do the education. Do it because you want to continue this as a career for a while. So, that, so do your research. As far as like K-HEP accredited versus not accredited, I think that also depends on you as a person you will make of it what you'll want. So if you go to a K-HIP accredited school, it doesn't mean you're gonna graduate. It doesn't mean you're gonna get a job. It means that you're getting an education that has been vetted out by another association. If you go to a school that's not accredited, but you put hours and hours of work in, you go to your internship every day like it's an interview, you just wild socks off of them, you're probably gonna get offered that job at the end of it. So I really think it's um, what you make of your schooling is what, what you put into it is really what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. So do, do a little bit of research and be prepared. Yeah. You brought up a hot topic there, the accredited versus <laughs>
0: non-accredited. One yeah. of the hot topics.
2: <laughs> we've talked about it. We've <laughs> talked about it.
0: <laughs> so we've talked about the challenging aspect. Um, in your experience, what was the best part? What's your most favorite part being a student and
2: in a sonographer? as far as being a student, probably the best part I think was just the camarader or camaraderie how of being with other students. Working together, learning together was really interesting, knowing you weren't alone in it. So I really, really encourage people to make those bonds, make those study groups, just be involved with your cohort that you're working with. They're gonna end up being your backbone. They're gonna be there to support you during all those hard times. You guys are gonna be up late studying together. After you guys are done, you're gonna be references for each other too. You never know where your co- classmates are gonna head out to. And then if you apply for a job, like word of mouth is way better than an application in a random computer system. So if you stay in good terms with your cohort and you know show good work ethic in school, they're gonna remember that. Like we, You notice what your peers are doing while you're in school. And so, yeah, it just sets up your network. Sonography is such a small world. That if you don't build that network in school, it's going to be it's going to be tough when you get out there. If you have a what, is it, what do they say, um, now again, think of it, <laughs> your now <laughs> Your reputation precedes you. So if you've got a reputation.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's true you know, out there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because um, we always like say that it's not about like kind of what you know, it's who, you know, almost. And it's really important to do your best. As a student with your cohort and then in your clinical, because you never know who you're gonna come across and who can help you.
0: I totally agree. Um, as a student, I like, I feel like the only people that understand how, what I'm going through in my classes right now are my classmates because no one gets it. <laughs> it's tough. The program is tough, despite what many people think if it's easy or not. Um, just to uh reiterate what Molly said like all sonography programs are tough
1: yeah and we're and we're all in different places in the united states so and you can see that it's all we all still have that similarity of programs being difficult but we all got we all get through it so that's why we're also
2: like yay we did it <laughs> oh molly where are you located i I guess if we're gonna go with the city, Minneapolis would be mine. So in between oh. the two of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Molly, since you're have you have been in the field for over ten years, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure the profession has changed a lot in a decade. Have you seen any changes, and if so, what they are since when you started your um, career to now, and what the outlook is from your opinion and from your like personal experience? You
2: know, sonography in itself, the, the exams that we're doing and the technology itself hasn't changed too much. So that is, I think a good thing a lot, you know, there's not a whole lot more to learn currently with the machines. They're trying to put out kind of some new fancy stuff, but we always go back to our B mode, our color, our Doppler, like those are kind of your bread and butter. So as far as like technology changes, like there's cool things that have come out, but they're not mainstays quite yet. And that's more based on radiology and you have to have a radiologist that wants to do the cool new fun things. Um, so as far as technology, nothing has changed too much in that sense. I do think the way that we look at patient care has changed a little bit over the years. It does feel like there's might be a little bit more red tape that you have to go through a lot more just in case ultrasounds being ordered. Um, so, you know, before it it felt like they were very legitimate reasons why we were doing a DVT study. And now you'll get a lot of orders that seem a little sus, but you know, that's it's our job to do them regardless. Uh, so it just it feels a little bit more stressful. It feels a little bit more, I want same day care. There's a little bit more of a rush to things as well. I think now that, you know, Amazon Prime, you get your packages in two days, well, I want my medical care in two days as well. So I do feel like they're, there's just more of a sense of urgency on everybody's part to get in, get seen, get the results and go, you know, get onto the next test, get on to the next treatment, whatever they need. Uh, recently a law was passed and this one was kind of, kind of hit a little bit harder. More recently, a law was passed that patients now have to have clean, clear access to their medical records. So they need to be able to see that on their patient portal basically all the notes from their doctor's appointments, all the lab results, all need to be available to them very easily. And that really hit ultrasound kind of in a different way than a lot of modalities because our images are now on the internet for patients to see. Our tech reports are on there. And originally that was just communication between us and the radiologist. And we take so much pride in our work and we are responsible to find everything and document everything and Label everything like it just adds this extra layer of stress to making sure that you are appropriately getting through all of that, not using certain terminology on your tech sheet, not working out of the scope of being a sonographer as well. So that has been probably one of the more recent kind of stressful changes that I've seen in the field that we're now just opening up, being a lot more transparent with patients, which I think is a very good thing. But it just adds an extra layer to our jobs.
1: Oh, I actually felt that real hard over here in Vegas. (laughs) I was working for an outpatient place and that had come about. And then it just started this whole thing um, where patients were getting mad about things that we were writing on our tech reports, which are technically things that we always write to kind of back ourselves up. I don't know if for, for students who are listening, if you didn't know, ultrasound we describe what we see, right? And so that's why you're learning all your medical terminology and how to interpret the image. And yes, the radiologist is the one that you know diagnoses and stuff but we actually do look at our images and think about all the anatomy, physiology and what we're looking at, right? And we describe them and stuff. And so uh, Molly mentions a tech report and we write a report that goes along with the images that we take And we have to describe everything, and we're in communication with the radiologist. In the outpatient place, there was this huge issue of the patients complaining about what we were writing, but it's something we've always done, you know? So that was a huge ordeal out here. I don't know how it is anymore because I'm not working there anymore. But when I was leaving the facilities, that was like a huge problem. Um, And it's just like, simple things as far as like, you know, technically difficult study due to bowel gas, which is something that we say all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've seen over there?
2: Uh, it is. So we got some guidance on what we were supposed to start writing on our tech sheets. And it was like, you know, no longer, you can no longer write like technically difficult due to patient body habitus. And when we were looking at like an ovary that had a hemorrhagic cyst on it, they no longer wanted us to write that on there, which makes sense. It is loosely diagnosing but it's also describing it as well (laughs) and so you know what they wanted us to write was like a hypoechoic mass on the ovary and i'm like if a patient sees that they're going to see mass like the second somebody sees mass they go straight to cancer like at least if they googled hemorrhagic cyst they'd be able to see it's totally benign and not a big deal Um, so you know some of the guidance that we got was interesting it was going to be really changing how we communicated with the radiologists. And a lot of us felt like we're done. We're writing measurements and that's about it. <laughs> we're we're done trying to write anything else.
1: Yeah. And I'm surprised that it's, I mean, I'm sure it's happening all over, but it kind of like, that's a little bit of a change, right? That we're going through and trying to maneuver through that. But after all this time, it sounds like ultrasound still kind of been pretty constant in the medical field. So
0: appreciate your insight with all of that. Yeah, Absolutely like so good to speak to you molly about your like get to pick your brains a little because Mm -hmm. you've been in the field for 10 years and i'm not in the field yet and just i was in the field for five years and being an educator um i really appreciate you being on here and letting us and like students who are listening future students who are listening to see like the side of an educator So that like when they're in the program, they can understand what to expect of them and how to be successful in the program.
2: Yeah, I appreciate being able to offer the insight to it. I feel like I could probably go on for days about all of it. (laughs) I don't regret a minute of any of it. It's been an awesome, awesome career. And anybody who's just getting into it, I hope you're excited. Um, Take care of yourself. It's a high burnout, high injury career, but If you do it right, you can have longevity in it as well.
1: Yeah, I want to actually bring up that Molly is part of our discord and she's super helpful um, as far as when students ask their questions or even sonographers ask questions in there and she responds and she's very helpful in explaining things. You explain things in such a great way and that's what I love about um, Mm -hmm. Molly. She also helps students with physics and that's the one thing that I think that people look at and Ultrasound and don't want to get into the field because they think about physics. And I know you're you're really good at, at at that. So what would you have to say to students who think physics is something that can't get them through this career?
2: I think physics is one of those things that is going to be a challenge for a lot of people. But ultrasound in itself is challenging. So I think it's how you approach this challenge and your reaction to it in the end. So if you go to your physics class. You're studying, you're using your materials, you're asking your teacher questions, using your resources, people and books and internet, you are going to set yourself up more for success with when you apply all of the resources that you have. In the end, though, if you go to take your SPI and you fail it and you have to retake it again, is it a big deal? No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Your path to being registered, just is a little different. You had to take your SPI two three times. Oh, well, you're still going to be a registered tech in the end. Nobody's going to ask you how many times you took that SPI. And if it means you have to go back and learn something again, you've got that much more knowledge because you took that test and went back and could revisit the things that you struggled with. And maybe that's a good thing. If you're not really ready to be registered um, based on physics or based on your boards or whatever, then go back and study it. You're going to get there. Just put the work in. Don't let it stop you because you're afraid of it or don't let it stop you because you failed once. You're going to make mistakes. It's how you react to those mistakes. Did you learn from it or did you just let it shut you down? So don't be afraid of physics. There are people out there to help you. Your teachers want to help you. They want to talk to you about physics. Um, Use them as your resource and just go get it. You can do it.
0: Yes, use them and use Molly because I notice when she answers students' messages or questions on Discord, the way she explains those questions is so easy to understand. So if you haven't joined the Discord, contact yourself, join, ask Molly questions, and I believe Molly, you have a YouTube as well, right? Um, I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a couple actually. Um, my original one started out with DMS instructors and that was just kind of a landing spot for all of my education material that I was using for my college courses. So there are physics lectures out there that go over the whole gamut of physics. And then I did start another YouTube channel, which is a little bit more branded and a little bit more refined, I would say. Um, so that's Sono Nerds on YouTube. So mostly focusing on physics and abdomen right now.
1: That's awesome. I really think that channels like yours super duperly help everybody that's in the program. Even for me being a sonographer, I still look at these things and I still look at other people's like posts on Instagram and I see the community growing and it's really helpful. And I just love that everyone's here for each other. And I definitely thank you for everything that you put out there because it takes a lot to do those videos.
2: It is a lot of work to do the content, but I enjoy it. Like, that's probably one of my favorite parts about teaching is building the content and redoing it and finding the pictures and drawing things out for people. And I just get I get a lot of messages uh, through email and comments that are like, this was so helpful. This, you know, this saved me. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's warm fuzzies and it makes it worth it. I, it's it's fun.
1: Yeah. And I love that we do this um, just because we love helping others and educating and you're just a very special human. And I appreciate you for doing everything that you do and for coming on here and talking with everybody today.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words that you have. And I think you've built an amazing community and uh, it's really neat to see all the students come in and all the positivity that's in that discord. So it's fun.
0: It is. Thank you so much.
1: Do you have any last minute advice that you want to give to students and incoming uh, future scenographers out there? Um. Oh, last minute advice.
0: <laughs> I want to say no, because nothing's coming to mind. But um... <laughs> or like any qualities <laughs> that students should have to be successful.
2: You no, know, I thought about that question. A little bit, and I thought, you know, I don't want to paint a box around who a sonographer is. There are so many personalities that come into the field and are successful with it. You know, a big thing that drew me to the field was that I needed something that was engaging, that let me learn every day, that let me wear a lot of hats. So, you know, you're doing abdomen, then you're doing breast, then you're doing a thyroid, then you're doing babies, and then like three pelvics in a row, and then you're back to legs or something. And I love that it was just a whole bunch of variety for it. And like, and there was technology and art and science and computers. And like, there's just so many facets to ultrasound. So like, that really fit me as a personality thing of what I was looking for in a career. But you don't have to be overly outgoing. You can be a complete introvert both are going to be successful. I've worked with people that are like hugging their patients and crying with them on the way out because they've just become best friends, Or I'm a little bit quieter when I scan. I don't do a whole lot of talking so I'm really focused on what I'm doing. So I think if you want to do this and you put the time and effort into it, I think anybody really can be successful in sonography and will find the right place for them in the end.
1: That's very well said. I agree. <laughs> I work with some sonographers who actually like don't really like to talk to their patients and Honestly, some people are afraid to go into the field because of the bed care experience, but sometimes that's just how it goes. You know, that doesn't mean they're a bad sonographer because they can't talk to their patient.
2: And you learn coping mechanisms with that as well. I mean, you you have to be prepared to take care of sick people. Like Mm -hmm. you're not just always going to have people that can walk in, lay down on your bed and hold their breath for you and do all of that for you. You are going to have very sick people. You're looking for disease. You're looking for pathology that is causing their symptoms. And sometimes that pathology is life-threatening and we need to be prepared to find it and deal with it and document it appropriately. That being said though, a majority of our patients are fine. They're coming in for very minor issues and we're gonna still treat them with respect and care for them. But kind of to circle back, the coping part of it, like I teach my students, if you can't talk while you're doing it, find spots that you can talk. Like when we're doing legs, I say, Anthony, check in on your patient. How you doing? Doing okay? Are you comfortable? You're switching positions. You're kind of rearranging how you're holding the transducer at that point. It's a good break in your mind and a good time to check on your patient because you're about halfway through your leg. Uh, same idea with abdomen. Like when you ask them to roll for their gallbladder pictures, I use their name and say, all right, John, I'm going to have you roll over. Uh, how are you doing? Still comfortable? It's just find those moments where you're kind of shifting gears and use that moment to have a quick conversation and then you can get back to what you're doing. The patient will still feel cared for and you can still kind of get through without having to talk too much.
0: Thank you for that good tip. I will use that in my clinicals now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or I was going to say the other big thing that I try to do is look at the newspaper, listen to the radio, state fair coming up, um, big holiday weekends, ask them a very open-ended question. And usually if it's a type of person that wants to talk, they'll just talk (laughs) while you Uh scan. And that's that's best case scenario.
1: (laughs) Right. There's like two there's two types of patients, the one that'll keep on talking and want to talk. And then the other one that just
0: doesn't want to talk (laughs) or the one that just sleeps very comfortably. (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) yeah i definitely appreciate uh you coming on to everybody who's listening i hope you guys found some insight from this episode and just know that uh this community is here for you guys if you guys have any questions you know we're always here for you and uh i definitely appreciate molly bringing in her experience of being a sonographer for over 10 years so thank you you're very welcome thank you Thank you, Molly. So if you guys uh, don't forget to rate us wherever you listen to us. I know we're all over on different types of platforms, but the one platform that means a lot is the Apple podcast where you can rate us five
0: stars and write a review on there. So we'd appreciate it if you guys did that for us. Yes. And you can always reach out to us on Instagrams and YouTubes. Uh, Giselle is LL on both platforms I'm DMS Diaries on Instagram and Molly is on Sono Nerds on YouTube.
1: Yeah so thank you guys so much for listening and Molly thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you my pleasure. All right you guys we'll see you or talk to you next week. Yes. Bye. Bye.